Good morning, everyone. Come on in and find a seat. Let's start our class today. We are coming to the end of our study in Revelation. And uh, so winding down with this. It's been a fascinating time. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been interesting. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. And as we gather together to begin our day, we pray your blessing upon it. Lord, we know that you have done a great work in our lives and that you live inside of us. And I pray that we would be sensitive to you today. And we would listen to you. And we would see you. Father, I pray that you would encourage the teachers that are teaching this morning, and that, Father, that the students would would be very attentive, and that, Lord, that lives would be changed, that we'd grow, we'd mature, we would understand that we need to take the Word of God and we need to stand upon it, and that it is true, and we thank you for that. We just are thankful for the day, thankful for this class, and we ask that you would be our teacher and that you would instruct us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I I must uh, tell you that uh, it's been, before I started this study, it had been a long time since I'd read the book of Revelation. It's not a book I spent a lot of time in, um, and uh, it's it's been fascinating. I've really enjoyed this study. I hope you have too. and as we get to the end of it, the last couple of chapters, um, I have done my best to stay with the quarterly and, and, and do the shotgun approach of uh, a, a chapter a week or two chapters a week and, and, and all of that. Um, I, I want to let you know that for the next um, three lessons, that will not be the case. <laughs> so we're going to do some different things here. Um, and it just, it just struck me that we needed to do some different things. So we're going to do that over the next handful of weeks. And, and, and really, it's interesting that the last couple of chapters here, we, we really need to put some things together and make it make sense. And so we're going to take our time and make that happen. Chapter 19, we looked at the beginning of chapter 19 last week. We're going to start there again. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. So let's stop there. This is uh, one of the praise sections in Revelation. And, and I'll bet you that every one of you would be surprised to know that there are quite a few sections of praise to God in, uh, uh, sections in the book of Revelation. Um, the, the book of Revelation, if we were to say, what, what is the book of Revelation all about? Uh, the majority would say, well, it's all about God's judgment or it's all about the tribulation. Um, it's about him coming back. And, and we do a great big um, general statement like that, and we would be right. But Revelation apparently is a book of praise as well. well let's go back and see that. Revelation chapter 4. And all of these praise passages that we're about to look at this morning are going on in heaven. 
they, the angels are part of it, the 24 elders are part of that, the masses are part of it. it it's, it's kind of an interesting thing here. Revelation chapter 4, beginning in verse 8, And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around them and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and because of your will they existed and were created. Chapter 5, beginning of verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and every created thing which is in heaven on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever and the four living creatures kept saying amen and the elders fell down and worshiped chapter 7 Verse 9. And after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches, were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all of the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, praise, uh, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Chapter 11. Verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. Chapter 15. Verse 3. And they sang the song of Moses and the bondservant of God and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Chapter 16. 
verses 5 and 6. And I heard the angel of the water saying, Righteous are you who are and who were, O Holy One, because you judge these things. For they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And then chapter 19. Right in the middle. Hallelujah of verse 1. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God because His judgments are true and righteous. For He has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality and He has avenged the blood of His bondservants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen! Hallelujah! And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of the great multitude and the sound of the many waters and the sound of the, many, uh, the mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Those are some pretty good <laughs> praise passages. Now, we need to understand in the context of this what, what's going on. So, God created, we have the Garden of Eden, we have Adam and Eve, we have sin introduced into the world, God comes to visit Adam and is looking for him and, and he's hiding from him because they have sinned and they have that whole conversation about why is this happening and they go through all of that and then the judgment is made, okay, it's pronounced against man and against woman and against serp uh, the serpent, Satan. And then man and woman are taken out of the Garden of Eden and an angel is set to guard it so they wouldn't go back in then and eat of the tree of life and be in their sin forever. And God said in those judgments, someday this will change because there will come someone who will destroy the serpent and fix these things once again. And for years then life went on, right? And then the Messiah did come. And instead of fixing things instantly, he died on the cross, the lamb slain for the sins of the world, his blood shed, and here we are, part of the church today, the, the group of the redeemed, who are once again looking backwards and understanding what has gone on and looking forward and anticipating what God has done. And you need to understand that all of this has gone on and the angels are witness to this and all of heaven is witness to this and all of heaven has been anticipating and looking forward to and planning on and, 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 and longing for when that would get fixed finally way up here. And finally, the final judgment is, 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 is being, as, as we saw last week, the final judgment is laid out and, and sin is being done away with here. We'll have one more little battle and sin is done away with and unrighteousness is done away with and all things are going to be restored back to how they were supposed to be thousands of years ago. And so there's a lot of praise in heaven about that. That's what's going on. And you need to understand that all of the battles that you endure and all of the battles that you face, all of the questions, all of the insecurities, all of the wonderings, all of the difficulties, all of the illness, all of the disease, all of the weaknesses, all of the sin, all of the issues of life that we face on a regular basis because we live in a Genesis 3 world are about to come to an end and it's being celebrated in heaven. That's why he's being praised over and over and over again. 
because all of this is coming to pass and everything that he said is going to be fulfilled and here we are finally in his presence throughout all of eternity and so revelation is a book of praise it is a book of praise about god bringing to pass the promise that he made all the way back in the garden and saying look it's about to happen right now and we're obviously closer than we've ever been and we think close 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 it certainly seems that way, doesn't it, to all of these things starting, you know, that the Lord is going to begin this process, and we're going to be there um, before you know it. Here it is. So that's why it's a book of praise. And, and it's an important thing for us to understand that, and it's an important thing for us to embrace that and to realize that Revelation, it, it, with all of its, and we'll just use the word, with all of its horror, it is also a book of great praise as God is dealing with sin and unrighteousness so that as Christ returns, that we'll see, as Christ returns, it's ready for him to deal with one more little incident and then the kingdom will be ushered in. Okay? And that's what's been going on through this whole thing. So it's a great, great, it's a great book. Okay? With that in mind, with that in mind, Let's look at some verses that hopefully are not the common and the normal verses that you think of when it comes to praise. And let's just let's just let's just jump in there and let's let's understand that we have a lot to praise God for today in our circumstances in our midst. And let's practice praising God and worshiping Him and celebrating Him for all that He has done. And as we've read Revelation, as we've studied Revelation, let's anticipate, look what He's about to fulfill, look what He's about to accomplish. Let's praise Him for who He is, what He is doing, and what He is about to do. So let's take some time to do that. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, 15. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is a fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. By the way, just for the fun of it, and this certainly wasn't planned ahead of time. I'm not that thorough and that complete and that altogether. Many of these verses that we're going to read right now will fit very nicely with the sermon this morning as we look up some verses. All right, I think one or two of them are repeated, actually. But, um, okay, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. Look what God has done. And that's what our theme is going to be. Look what God has done, and look what God is about to do. Second Samuel, chapter 22. Second Samuel 22:50. And Second Samuel 22, it, it, the entire chapter is a psalm. All right, so it, it's 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 pretty good. Okay. Look at what it says in Second Samuel 22:50. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the nations, and I will sing praise to your name. That needs to be us because of what he has done. Obviously, Psalms is full of these kinds of things. Let's go to Psalm 7, and we'll just wander through a handful of Psalms here. Psalm 7, 17. 
I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. This is one of the things that you are going to do in heaven. You might as well start now. Psalm 44. It's not the only thing you're going to do in heaven, right? You understand that. We haven't really talked about that much. You're not just going to sit around praising God. There's a lot of things that are going to go on in heaven, but praise is going to be part of it, obviously. 44.8. In God we have boasted all day long, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Selah. That's a pretty cool verse. In God we have boasted all day long. In God we have boasted all day long, and we will give thanks to your name forever. That needs to be goal. That needs to be your goal. Our goal next week is that at the end of one of our days, we can say we have boasted in, we have boasted, uh, in God, we have boasted all day long. That needs to be our goal, at least one day this next week. In God, we have boasted all day long. I've just been boasting in God. I've just been talking about how God is great and how he did that. Look what God did. Ooh, cool, that was neat. Look what God did. Hey, thanks God for doing that. Oh, I just celebrate and praise you right now, God. We need to boast in God all day. And at the end of the day, we will say, and we're going to give thanks to your name forever because you're quite the God. Psalm 75, 1. Psalm 75, 1. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. Men declare your wondrous works. One of the things that we have noticed in Revelation that hopefully has stunned you is that as men see God's wondrous works on a regular basis, many of those men and women do what? Refuse to give God thanks. This, this says, we give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. Men declare your wondrous works. We need to be the people that do that. We need to make sure that we are declaring his wondrous works. Okay? That needs to be what we are all about. Psalm 122 Psalm 122, verse 4. This is a cool little verse. Okay, ignore the first part of verse 4. To which the tribes go up, even the tribes of the Lord. Okay, that's interesting, and that's talking about some things. Here's the part I want you to focus in on. An ordinance for Israel, or an ordinance for us, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Let's just make it a law. Let's make it a rule. <laughs> Let's just make it part of life. You're obligated to do this from now on because you belong to God. Okay? Give thanks to the name of the Lord. Interesting concept, isn't it? Here's an ordinance for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. You're obligated to give thanks to the name of the Lord because of who he is and what he's done and for what he's about to do. Psalm 140, verse 13. Surely the righteous will give thanks to your name. The upright will dwell in your presence. We could actually amend that a little bit. Surely the righteous will give thanks to your name, won't they? The upright will dwell in your presence. That they will do. Will they give thanks to your name? Let's make sure that we are. And if you just go backwards a couple of of pages there to Psalm 136. This is one of those remarkable and great psalms that uh, I'm sure you're aware of that just goes on and on and on and on and there's no, there's no stopping. It's just a great psalm. 
Uh, verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His loving kindness is everlasting. To Him alone who does great wonders, for His everlasting, His loving kindness is everlasting. He who made the heavens with skill, for His loving kindness is everlasting. To Him who spread out the earth above the waters, for His loving kindness is everlasting. To Him who made the lights, for His loving kindness is everlasting. To the sun to rule by day, for His loving kindness is everlasting. The moon and the stars rule by night, for His loving kindness is everlasting. And then they go into specific things a little bit about Israel. It, fun exercises to take this with yourself or your family and go into things with you specifically and add you in there and add then for his loving kindness is everlasting his compassion never ends and then at the very end of it give thanks to the God of heaven for his loving kindness is everlasting all that God is doing is he is doing because his loving kindness is everlasting and all that we read in, Ever in Revelation is because his everlasting, his, excuse me, his kindness is everlasting to the redeemed. And he is doing all of that to deal with sin and unrighteousness so that the earth will be no more and a new heavens and a new earth will be made that we might dwell with him forever in righteousness. Why? Because his kindness is everlasting. Isn't that something? Isn't that cool? We should be people that praise the Lord, certainly, shouldn't we? Isaiah chapter 25. We need to be people that have big vision. You know, the problem with every one of us with declaring that your kindness is everlasting is that we're so focused on this small thing right in front of us, we have forgotten the big vision, the big picture. We need to be people of big vision. Yes, you have problems. Yes, you have difficulties. Yes, you have overwhelming stuff. I'm not minimizing it all. It's incredibly serious. Some things that some of you may be facing in this room today are life-changing. Okay, I'm not minimizing it all. But as we look at the big picture, we can still say His loving kindness is everlasting. He's a remarkable God. And because I do that, I'll be able to handle this a little differently. And that was for me. Hey, I have no idea what you're facing. That's me. I, I face that stuff all the time. It's a tough task, isn't it? To make sure you're doing this rather than this. And this defines you. Uh, we have to, we need to get to the point in life where, where, where the difficulties, the struggles, the frustrations stop defining us. It's who we are in Christ that defines us. And we deal with that stuff. 25.1 of Isaiah, it says this. Oh, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will give thanks to your name, for you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. Well, isn't that the truth? <laughs> We're seeing that in Revelation, aren't we? Wow, cool. I will exalt you. I'll give thanks to your name, for you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. And then you gave us a glimpse of it in this book called Revelation. That's pretty exciting. That's, that's worthwhile. First Chronicles chapter 16. Oops, I went the wrong way. Oh, went the wrong way on you. Sorry about that. We've got to go backwards. And uh, First Chronicles 16 is a great chapter, uh, another praise, another psalm. First Chronicles chapter 16, and we'll just do verses 8 and 9. This is a great chapter to read also. 
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the peoples, sing to Him, sing praises to Him, speak of all of His wonders. He's, he's performed a lot of wonders that we can speak of, hasn't He? And then we, we kind of take this down and make it a little bit more personal. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, Paul is talking about the fact that you really can't outgive God. He is a remarkable God. And in verse 15 is that verse that you know, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And he has given us Jesus Christ, and he has given us righteousness, and he has changed us, and he has made us, and it's a pretty amazing thing. And then 1 Corinthians 15, just go backwards a couple of chapters there. In 1 Corinthians 15, we have that same idea 1557, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And that's tied in with the whole context of the resurrection, obviously. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. That really, uh, there are certain things that, that need to bounce off of us because we have the victory in Jesus Christ because of what he has done for us. Ephesians 5.20. Ephesians 5.20. This is one of those verses that you know. Actually, let's start with verse um, 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. This is a pretty good verse. We know this verse. We know 19 and 20 especially that we should you know, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that we should sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord. And verse 20 we know, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you know, the key to verses 19 and 20 is really found in verse 18, and that is who's in control of you. And something's always going to be in control of you. It needs to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, make sure that the Spirit is in control of you. And if the Spirit's in control of you, then these things flow from you. If the Spirit is not in control of you, something else flows from you, and it can be kind of ugly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And verse 18. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And you know that verse. It's pretty common in regular verse. Thanks is an important part of life. And it doesn't stop in the book of Revelation and we see it jump out there it's pretty amazing and pretty wonderful and pretty cool let's go back to Revelation now chapter 19 and we're going to look at just a few things in, in verses 1 through 6 because I think that it's worthwhile here as, as um God is being praised as he has done what he needs to do. And, and as I say, we're about to see the, 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 the second coming of the Lord in this chapter and, and see some great things come to pass. The judgments are about done. 
There's a few more things here and there, but by and large, they're about done. So in verse 1, hallelujah, why? Well, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. You know, we can never get away from that, can we? We are who we are because God has done what he's done in our lives. And the salvation that we have is because of him. And because of that salvation, glory and power belong to our God. He has saved us. He has done this. And we need to, we need to, to be the kind of people we should be because of that salvation. And that, that our vision might be that way, that, that we, could, we could understand that and live that way. Verse 2 says, Because his judgments are true and righteous. You cannot walk with God. You cannot embrace God if you do not believe this phrase. If you do not believe that his judgments are true and righteous, you're going to be irked at God on a regular basis. And especially as we read the book of Revelation here and we see his plan come to pass. We need to understand that he is a God whose judgments are true and righteous. And he is doing what he needs to do because he is God. So they declare hallelujah in verse 1. They declare hallelujah in verse 3. Next couple of verses here. They fall down. They worship God who sits on the throne. They declare hallelujah again in verse 5. Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants who fear him, the small and the great. And then in verse 6, Then I heard something like the voice of the great multitude and the sounds of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. One of the things that has been um, debated, I suppose is a good word, certainly done away with, abused, challenged, a whole bunch of words come to mind here, is the fact that God reigns. And at Revelation, in Revelation, we read that pretty often. And we are reminded in this last outburst of praise that God reigns. And the reason why there are times even in our lives as believers that we don't necessarily believe that God reigns is because we are seeing what is going on right now and we make determinations and judgments based upon this and this alone as opposed to that vision that we need to have, that big vision and understanding that God reigns, okay? That God reigns. And that it is, that is a remarkable, wonderful thing. God reigns, okay? You know, one of the things that, that, that we need to do in life is declare that. You cannot minimize that. Go to uh, Isaiah 52. And we, hear, we read part of this verse in, in Romans chapter 10. And in Isaiah 52, the fullness of this verse is laid out for us. 52.7 How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness. Notice the next part. Who announces salvation and says to Zion, Your God reigns. In part, I believe the world needs to simply see that we believe that God reigns. And every one of us needs to determine whether we're actually doing that or not. And I think a lot of times by our behavior and by our actions and our words, we're not. But what we need to do is be declaring that our God reigns. I have confidence. I believe. 
I, I, I know that God is doing this. I, I trust Him. I'm walking with Him. I want to declare that my God reigns. And we're not very good at that sometimes. We struggle with that. That God reigns in spite of. In spite of, right? And, and you're going to agree with that. Sitting in this room today, we're all going to agree with that. This is easy. This is easy. It's tomorrow and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday when it's hard, right? Our God reigns. Our God reigns. And that is, that is much of what Revelation is declaring, isn't it? Our God reigns. And our God is a righteous God, and He is a good God, and He is a loving God, and He is an all-knowing God, and our God reigns. And He is going to do what He is going to do because He is God. That's a good thing. That is a really, really good thing. So back to Revelation. So as the as the judgments come to an end, again, there's a few things here, but by and large, as the judgments come to an end, we have this last scene of praise and hallelujahs in heaven, and then we see what happens next. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen and bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said, Do not do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and your brethren, and hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So finally, after all of these things going on in, in, the, in the book of Revelation, the church is once again in the picture. Okay, here we are. The church is there again. The marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Well, how do we know that? Well, because of what the Bible teaches us. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. And possibly for the first time in your whole life, I want you to read chapter 5, these verses, thinking about Christ and the church and not husbands and wives. Okay? We, we want to focus in on Christ and the church here. It says this in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water of the word, that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle in any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. And it goes on, wives do this, and husbands do this, and this is a great mystery, it says in verse 32, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ in the church. We understand that Christ is the bride and the church, is, or uh, Christ is the groom and the ch- <laughs> Christ is the groom and the church is the bridegroom. Okay, we understand that. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 2. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. Then we come to Revelation chapter 19, 
and it says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to her, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. And so what we have is we have this unique thing go on in heaven when finally the bride of Christ, the church, is presented to Jesus Christ in a remarkable way, and we are finally, finally united with Him, not how we are now, but how we are in a unique way in heaven, in a bodily way and in a spiritual way, and we recognize that we are one with the Lord throughout eternity without any of the uh, confines of sin and the flesh that we face today. How about that? That's cool stuff. That's our, that's our future right there. That's what's going to happen. This is talking about us. The presentation of the bride, and it takes place after the rapture. And what's kind of cool about this in understanding that there's a rapture is that in biblical times, what happened was that they would go and they would get the, the, the bride and her party and they would walk together and they'd go into the bridegroom's home and they would be prepared for the wedding and they'd get ready for it. What happens here? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And when it's ready, I'm going to bring you up so you'll be with me forever. And sure enough, there came a point when we physically died and we went, we were in his presence. And then for those that weren't dead, yet when the tribulation and the wrath of God was ready to be poured upon the earth he took the church he took the bride off and he brought her up to his father's home and he said hang out for a while some things need to take place the marriage is right around the corner and in 19 we read about it here it is the marriage of the lamb kind of cool isn't it and it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. And for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Wow. Betrothed in eternity past, presented in the Father's home since the rapture, the church is now ready for the wedding ceremony. And this ceremony, okay, now bear with me, this ceremony is going to be a thousand years long. Okay, this ceremony is not happening right away. We're going to read about that. Because, look at what it says in chapter 21. Okay? Then I heard a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven for, from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. The idea is that, is that this marriage feast of the Lamb is going to go on, and it's going to be part of the grand celebration as Christ rules for a thousand years. And when his rule is over, then life will change, and it'll go, and it'll be a little bit different. Okay. Now I don't know what that means exactly, right? I have no idea the ins and outs of that. We just understand that that's that's the process, probably. And I say probably because it's a probably. Okay. We're not sure of the exact things that are going on here. Here's what we know: the bride is going to be presented to Jesus Christ, who died for her, and he's gonna he's gonna take her. And we're going to be one forever throughout all of eternity. Okay? And that's what, that's what the Bible says, and that's a pretty cool thing. And so the bride is being made ready right now. And how is the bride being made ready? It says in this verse, the, the clothing of the bride is the righteous acts of the saints. The righteous acts of the saints. Okay? Now we understand that we have been made righteous. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of Christ in God. We've become righteous, right? But some of these verses will make a little bit more sense to you now. Philippians chapter 2.
Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Take that that's been put into you. You are now the righteousness of Christ. Take that that has been put into you and work it out, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure, transforming you and making you, and you are doing the righteous acts of God on this earth. You are preparing yourself for what is to come. First Corinthians chapter 3. Look at what it says, verses 12 through 15, the righteous acts of the saints. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If each man's work which he has built on remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet is through fire. In other words, the works that you're doing that are the righteous acts are the ones that are going to be clothed, clothing you. The works that you do that are not righteous acts are going to be done away with and, and ignored because the, the, the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus Christ on the cross, and they now become non-issues, and all of those works that you've been doing, they're going to be part of the clothing of you as part of the church of Jesus Christ. And then you read this in Ephesians chapter 2. verse 10, a verse that you are quite familiar with. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Why has he done this? Why has he created good works for me to walk in? Well, because that's part of what we are to do as the church, as the as the bride of Christ, we walk in these things and we do these good works, these righteous acts, so that when we're presented to Christ, he understands this is what I died for. This is what the church has been doing on this earth all these years while I've been gone. They've been doing these righteous acts in my name. And now we're coming together at this marriage feast of the Lamb. It's a pretty amazing thing that that's what he's done. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So understand this. Your behavior, your right behavior, your biblical behavior, your godly behavior is not just for the sake of right behavior. It is for the sake of being a part of the bride of Christ that you might be presented to him in heaven one day and you are clothed in righteous acts. That's our point of living. That's what it's all about. And far too often we think that we're just doing the right thing because we're just doing the right thing. Well, sort of, but not really. You're doing the right thing because of who you are as part of the church because the plan is I've prepared these good works for you so that one day you will be given to me, Jesus Christ, and you'll be presented in fine linen, bright and clean, and the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Your righteousness that I've given you, that you've practiced on the earth, is part of this grand celebration one day in heaven. You're just not doing the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. It's bigger than that. It is bigger than that. You are part of the church. The church is the bride. We're part of Christ. 
and this will be a grand celebration one day and it will be absolutely overwhelming look what it says in verse 9 then he said to me right blessed are those blessed happy fortunate joyous satisfied fulfilled blessed are those and by the way throughout the book of revelation we, re- we read that word plenty too okay that word shows up in Revelation on a pretty regular basis. Blessed are these and blessed are those and blessed are that. It's because God is at work. And sometimes we think that Revelation is one of those books where God's really not doing anything except his wrath is just being poured out and he's just being mean to people. He's at work and he's blessing people in remarkable, amazing, na- amazing ways. Now here's an interesting point. You ready? Here it is. But he says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Who's invited to the marriage? Who's invited to a marriage? No, just regular ways. Nope, I don't mean this here. A marriage. Who's invited to a marriage? What? Friends. Family. Guest, right? Is the bride invited? No, she's not. She's already there. So blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So who's he talking about here? And? Old Testament saints and tribulation saints. That's exactly right. The church, the bride, the invited guests are the Old Testament saints and the tribulation saints. Hey, there's going to be a big feast. There's going to be a marriage. And you all get to watch it and be a part of it. And this is one of those things, I pointed this verse out a couple weeks ago. This is one of those things that the Bible says angels have longed to look into for a long time. Angels have been sitting around saying, man, that's kind of cool. I'm a little confused by all this, but it's cool. And they're going to watch this, and there's going to be all these neat things go on here. Look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. 1 Peter 1, 12. It was revealed to them, talking about the Old Testament saints, that they were not serving themselves but you in these things which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. The Old Testament saints, the prophets, they understood that they were talking about things that were way beyond them. The church. The church. How magnificent and unique is the church. And then the angel said to John, these are true words of God. You can write these down and count on them. This is really what's going on. And John immediately falls down and begins to worship him. But the angel says, no, I'm not God. I'm just a servant like you. I'm just a servant like you. Isn't that a cool thing? Verse 10, I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Angels are servants of God. You are a servant of God. We're all servants of God. Angels have their task. Angels are angels. You have your task. People are people. But we're all servants of God. Doing neat things for God. And he says, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It is the declaration that these things are true and right. Okay? So, we're getting to a point here where some pretty cool things are happening we're done with the judgment, and we're getting to some neat things. So the next thing, we've got to stop here. The next thing we'll look at will be the coming of Christ and, and what goes on with him and what he does right away at the end of 19 and into, into chapter 20. And then we get into, I mean, it really gets kind of cool. So this is a neat passage of Scripture, okay, that all of it's coming together. 
And so we'll stop right here. Next week we'll continue with this. We'll pick up right here in um, verse 11 and the coming of Christ. Understand praise is an important part of life throughout all of eternity. And understand that you are part of the church, the bride of Christ. And there will be a day when you as part of the church will be presented to Christ and you will be clothed in the righteous acts that you as a saint have been doing. How you doing with that as you're preparing for the wedding? How's that going? Okay, now the good news is your unrighteous acts are just gone, as, as we read about. They're just, they're done away with, they're burned up, they don't count. Your righteous ones, though, they're going to be there. And uh, so we need to start working toward this, right? We need to, this is who we need to be. Yeah, these people who are, who are understanding that God has, God has given me good deeds to do, and the good deeds that he has given me are part of the righteous acts of the saints that will be part of the marriage of the Lamb in heaven. It's going to be fun. Father, thanks for our time together. Thank you very much for this passage of Scripture and for how cool it is and, and how you've laid it out and you've showed us all these different things. Uh, Lord, I just pray that we would understand the parts we need to understand and that we would embrace them, practice them, and that we would be people in the church that understand that we are a bigger part of this than we probably understand. And that should matter in our day-to-day -day lives. Transform us, continue to work us, work in us and grow us and mature us for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name.